All right, let's turn our Bibles, please, to John chapter 19 this morning. And um, mentioned last week we were, Lord willing, going to cover through that series of uh, just our values, but really felt pressed this morning to change it up a little bit and just go to this passage of Scripture in John chapter 19. Um, as I mentioned earlier today, just sometimes what's needful when we're considering vision, you know, the, the typical thing is, and we've done this even last year, the typical thing when we talk about vision is to, you know, have, have in summary what we're aiming for, in summary sort of where we're headed as a church and all of that. But when it comes to the Christian life, there's no greater pursuit than pursuing the Lord. And really when it comes down to vision, sometimes it's just about getting our sight back on God. And we read uh, earlier there in, in Hebrews chapter 12 about the things that he endured and, and to, to look unto him and look unto Jesus. And I think it's, it's good that as we have the Lord's Supper this morning, that we're just reminded about the, the sacrifice of the Lord. That as we consider our lives and we consider the, the happenings of our lives and we're trying to navigate our way through that, that we can't look past the very, the very person of which our faith is based on. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to go and encounter different things in our lives. And, and I'll tell you what, the, the one constant that will be in your life will be your Savior. And he will come to your, uh, to your, uh, to your uh, need. He will come in times. And we've got to remind ourselves that, that the Lord Jesus himself, he endured such things. And this morning, um, I just chose to, to focus in here in this, this, uh, this passage of Scripture that really speaks about the, this crown of thorns that Jesus wore. You... I'm sure you're aware as you look around, sometimes there's some religious art out there or some sort of, um, some sort of uh, 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 statue or some sort of relic that people put up in different, uh, different types of buildings. And often when you look at the, the depictions of Christ, you see him on the cross with this, this crown of thorns. And, you know, we're very familiar with the fact that Jesus was crucified and because of the sins of mankind that he bore on the cross, he, he just willingly laid down his life and we're thankful for that. But, you know, ahead of that, sometimes we forget that Jesus actually went through and endured such hardship. And part of that, part of that is this, this plating of these crown of thorns that was placed on his head and actually in other parts of scripture was beaten down on his head. And, you know, really, when you think about the, the symbology there of, of who it was they were doing this to, there's a lot of things that we can learn about who Jesus is. And I want to remind you about that this morning. And what, what it was, it was really an unwitting tribute that these, uh, these ones gave. And, um, you know, this, this, this particular text, we see the Roman soldiers, they unwittingly crown though in a mocking way, the very King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. 
really what they were doing in mock celebration in a contemptuous manner was this unwitting tribute. So they did it as painfully as they could. And you think about this, what a stark contrast this must have been. The, the, the very creatures that Jesus himself in pleasure was now causing him deep physical and emotional pain. And how quickly the minds of the people changed. Just a week ago, if you know the storyline, the crowd was using the very same tree, the date palm, and its leaves to lay down a path for Jesus' triumphal entry. They, they cried out Hosanna and welcomed him and celebrated him, and now they use the same plant, the same tree, but the thorns of that tree to form a, a crown. Some say that, that that date palm can grow thorns up to 25 centimeters long. And it was, it was more likely that it was a date palm. It was uh, found readily in that area that Jesus was in. And they use the same thorns found on that same palm plant uh, tree, and they beat it down upon his head. And now those who probably previously were crying out, Hosanna, were now crying out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And you think about the agony that the Lord Jesus went through and willingly, why? Because for the sins of mankind. And Jesus went through that agony and Jesus went through that just with the, with the view that he endured such contradiction of sinners. Why? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. You know, there's many pictures of the Lord. There's many titles given him. And, you know, there's the, the office of prophet, priest, and king. And there were those who only expected and ignored the two former. They only expected a king. They built their hopes up on receiving an earthly king who will, uh, who will, who, who will get them out of their, their occupation that they were in. There were those in those days who really, they were unwilling to be taught by the prophet. And those, the prophets written in God's word, they couldn't support the priest because of his demand of sacrifices and offerings, but they were willing that a king must reign over them. And the kingly idea really about the person of Christ, it, it was a thing that they were agitating for the most. In fact, in several other scriptures, when Jesus performed the miracle, they were trying to force him to be king. They thought it was the time. But, but this, in, in contrast, we see, though, the Lord Jesus being placed with a crown, but it wasn't with the crown that they thought he would be placed with. It was a crown of thorns. It was a crown of thorns. And if you do a quick Google search of crown of thorns, it, it'll come up with different definitions, and everyone understands it's the idea of suffering. It's the idea that it's something that you must bear on your head as you... Uh, go through, uh, through life, you have a crown of thorns. It's like the idea of having a cross to bear. It's the same thing. And so it's understood here in the, uh, in the, uh, in the context of our scriptures here that this was indeed a crown, but it wasn't the crown that they were thinking of. And I think we're like that sometimes in our own lives. I think sometimes we have an expectation that God will be something when he's actually another way. And sometimes we have an expectation that it'll be some sort of crown, but we don't want to endure the crown of thorns. And we see that 
these were unwitting in their tribute. They didn't mean it, but it became something that really signified about the Lord, something that we learn. And you've got to ask yourself a question here this morning. What's more painful? Is it an unwitting tribute in mockery from a people that rejected him? Or is it an unwilling tribute from those who have subscribed to him as Savior and King? What, what's, what's, what gives Jesus more pain? The physical torture he endured at the hands of those that had no care for him? Or the lack of appreciation of those that called upon him to be the Savior? You know, sometimes it's not that we have an unwitting tribute. It's just that we're unwilling. We go around at times in, in, in our lives, the way we live, the way we the way we just go about our lives isn't really a tribute. We're just unwilling. You know, we subscribe to him as our savior, but, and, and we might even say he's our king, but is that practically so? Are there things in our lives that when we think about it, those that unwitting tribute might even be of greater worth than our unwillingness to have him rule and reign over our lives? And so we see all of these different contrasts here and you know, I think the Lord Jesus gives that answer in, in, in this particular um, scripture in Luke 10, 13. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And what he's saying was, in these localities where I've been, where I've been familiar with, if those works were done in places where I was unfamiliar then actually I would have been worshipped and I would, you would have repented a long time ago. And sometimes I think we get so much of what we hear in, in church and what we hear in Scripture that we just fool ourselves into thinking that that's all it takes to, for us to live a life that is a tribute to the Lord. But actually there's, there's supposed to be a willingness and a sacrifice there and there's me meant to be a, an allowance of His reigning over us. And He, he said to, to Thomas in John 20, 29, Thomas, uh, he saith unto Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And actually, that's us today. Blessing for us, have not seen Jesus like they did in that day. And so there's greater blessing for us and there's greater, uh, there's greater weight in our tribute because we are those who believed and have not seen. And that's the, that's the kind of life that we're all, we ought to live and. There ought to be a willingness, and, and, and yet what we see in this unwitting tribute is that at times we don't give Jesus the place we ought to, or he ought to have in our lives. He ought to be on the throne of our hearts, and we can make a mock of his sovereignty and his majesty, and when we use his name in public feigning but privately dishonoring him with our poor testimony, then we make derision of him as the Lord of our lives. And we may not have been the ones, as we read here, of these Roman soldiers that inflicted the physical pain about, uh, upon Christ, but I think sometimes we grieve him much the same when our lives aren't lived in a manner actually befitting ambassadors of his kingdom and children that are performed by the Roman soldiers. And we're going to see also that they unwittingly magnified him even when they meant to demean him. And firstly, we note in verse 2 there, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe. So notice firstly a coronation of suffering 
which actually turned into a coronation of glory. Because in the first place, they were trying to inflict great suffering. You know, the thing that we sometimes miss about our Lord, we, I think the world is readily to accept him as this great teacher. I think the world's readily accepting of him as this baby born in a manger. I think the world's readily accepting of him of someone that did these great miracles and some uh, fa- fantastic stories that we can perhaps draw our, 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 uh, some, some lessons from. But the, the picture that we don't often are uncomfortable about the Lord is the fact that he was a man of sorrows. You know, we're, we're, we're in a world that none of us like sorrow. All of us here, if we had a choice and we had the choice to make between happiness and sorrow, we would all probably pick happiness. But, but something comes out of suffering, something comes out of sorrow that God allows. And here in, in the, the life of, of God himself, the Lord Jesus himself, this coronation came about, and really this was a coronation of suffering. This was a crown of suffering. You imagine just the, those, those, uh, those thorns, and you know, the, the, if you study through thorns in the Bible, it's always got to do with sin. And the, the, those thorns that came out of the curse that was placed upon this earth after the fall of man, it's all meant to symbolize that, 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 that burden that was placed upon the Lord of the sins of mankind. That was his suffering. This was a crown of suffering. And note with me, look at Matthew chapter 27, what Matthew's gospel had to say about this same event. Look at Matthew chapter 27 and verse 29. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, notice this, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed, and notice this, and smote him on the head. This crown of thorns, it wasn't just placed there. They took a club and they clubbed his head and clubbed that crown onto his skull. That's a suffering that our Lord Jesus endured for you and I. The, you imagine the, his, his perfect blood starting to gush out. You, you imagine his precious blood there that was to be placed in the mercy, on the mercy seat to pay for the sins of mankind. And you imagine that and you... you Think about the thoughts coming into the Lord Jesus' head. You know what he was thinking? For the joy. You know what he was thinking? For you and I who have since believed. For those who over centuries and centuries who have gone through and have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the crown wasn't merely placed. It was then beaten down upon his holy head. It was beaten down. Yet... This crown of suffering, this coronation of suffering that they intended, it was actually a crown of glory. Because we understand that his suffering was really his pathway to glory. In Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 26, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ, notice this, have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? Saying actually the pathway for the Lord Jesus in, in, in being glorified was that he would go through this suffering for you and I. Notice with me in Revelation chapter 19. Turn to that with me. Revelation chapter 19. 
And notice verse 11. And I saw, I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and Righteousness he doth judge and make war. And, I, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Notice that. And he had a name written, and that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who's that speaking about? That's the Lord Jesus. And notice what's on his head. He's got many crowns. This was the one who, just a moment ago, we read about who had a thorn of crowns. But one day, can I remind you, he's going to have many crowns. And I hope that we would have crowns to cast at his feet. And you, you see the glory now that the Lord Jesus will come back with. And you see that in order to do so, his vesture had to be dipped in blood. He had to go through the suffering. And you and I, we sort of go around each day and we wonder what kind of tribute our life ought to be. And yet this great sacrifice of our Lord and this coronation of suffering turned into a coronation of glory and Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. You know, he didn't, didn't taste death for nothing. He tasted death for you and I. You know, if you're here this morning and you've never, uh, you've never put, had, a, had an opportunity to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, the, the reason you could do that is because he was willing to die in the first place. Because he was willing to be your savior. He was willing to endure such contradiction of sinners against himself. He was willing to endure all of that for the joy that was set before him. And we see the coronation of suffering and glory. But then notice another detail here. Go back to John chapter 19. In verse 2 again, And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. And this purple robe, if you study that out, we see that the, that purple is a, the color of royalty in the, those times. The one used was most likely an old leftover robe of the, 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 the preconsul. Those who were in charge in the day was... The purple was an emblem of power. Purple was worn by governors and generals, and, and what it was, it was a mockery. They placed a purple robe on him. They, they made mockery of the fact that he, this one who claimed to be able to rebuild the temple after three days, actually referring to his resurrection, they, they looked at him and they said, look, look how, how lowly he is, and they put a purple robe on him. And really, firstly, this robe, it's symbolic. The robe was merely a symbol of the power. And really, a power that, that needed not to be given him, it was already a power he had. You understand that, that this is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He, he doesn't need a robe. He doesn't need a purple robe to tell anyone who he is. And this was symbolic. And, and in 2 Peter 1.16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, those who already followed him, those who already saw him firsthand, those who 
went about and were faithful to follow along the, the Lord Jesus and his teachings and his journeys and even through his suffering, they understood his majesty. They understood his place in their life. They, they didn't need any kind of symbolic, um, symbolic uh, gesture for them to understand who he was. They already knew. And, and although this was a borrowed vesture, his authority is given him from his father. And he is the rightful owner and the rightful sovereign. And, and even as he was bowed down in that moment, none of that truth was diminished. And we understand that there was a recognition here, secondly, through this robe of humiliation. They wanted to humiliate the one that claimed to be this great one. But actually what it was, it was recognition of his authority. It was actually a recognition that this robe was fitting. And we can't forget that Jesus is above all and has ultimate authority. He is God. He is sovereign. In Jude 1.25, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. In 1 Timothy 1.17, now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And so this this recognition of authority was actually it's fitting. And I hope that's fitting in your life. I hope that as you think about the Lord Jesus, I hope that as you we take part in the elements this morning, that, that we would recognize again his place in our lives. That actually he is king. That actually he ought to be our Lord. That actually as he has saved us, then we are bought with a price. Therefore, we ought to glorify God with our bodies, which are his. That, that we recognize that absolutely in the sight of God, we must answer to Him. And so we see, secondly, that there was a recognition of that humiliation, but really it was a recognition of His authority. But then lastly, look at verse 3, John 19. Notice what they said, and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote Him with their hands. You know, when you look through that, that title given him, him king of the Jews, it only ever came from Gentiles. It only ever came from those who were outside of, the, of his own people. And we recognize earlier in the, in the story that there was already a rejection by the nation. The high priests who were rep representatives of that nation, Israel, had already rejected him. And then he goes through all of these trials, through all of these earthly Gentile authorities, and they, they reject him as well. And they give him this mock title, King of the Jews. And this exclamation of mockery, this exclamation that, you know, here is the king, but look how he suffers, look how he's lowly. And we see that uh, as well. Look at, look at Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, and we see the same story in, in, written here in Verse 17, and they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshipped him. They even went so far as bowing their knee after hailing him, King of the Jews. But I want to tell you that this mockery would soon turn into adoration because this mockery was temporary. This mockery was just for this time. This mockery was going to be 
something that was going to be turned on its head. This was a mockery, but one day, can I remind you, every tongue will be stopped and every knee shall bow. And in Romans 14, 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And there might be those, and you might be bothered, and we ought to be bothered by those who, who mockingly at times celebrate different things that pertain to the Lord Jesus. And there might be those even today who would mock at even our gathering, and why would you go on a Sunday, and why would you come along? And, and the only answer to that is one day, one day all those who will mock, they will all bow as well. And we might today be concerned about the, the state of our nation. We ought to. This day we might be concerned about the fact that as we look around and we see that many times Christianity has failed and seems not to be making ground, I want to tell you that ultimately He wins. And ultimately as we trust Him in His, in his power and His might and His majesty, that all those things actually, they're temporary. And there's some things that are eternal. You see, one day no one will deny him his place of total adoration and praise. Look at this scene of heaven with me in Revelation chapter 5. And we'll read quite a number of verses here in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld... And I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever, and the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Look at the praise and adoration the Lord Jesus gets one day. And you know, sometimes we can't even utter a, a breath of praise for all that he's done for us. 
But one day, those exclamations of mockery will be absolutely exclamations of adoration. And, and you know what? If you're saved here today, you'll get to be part of that. You see, there's the, all those out of every kindred, tongue and people and nation. You know, if you're looking for a hope for missions, there's that verse. If you're looking at, well, what's going to happen? Well, listen, that's going to happen one day. And we do our bit right now. You see, while the soldiers never understood the symbolism in their act as, as they did what they did, what they were actually doing, they were adding to His Majesty. They, they were actually doing something that highlighted this, this one who would be made to be glorified. This one who one day would have all of the adoration and praise that he deserves. And you know what we, who we have now? We know he's no longer the suffering savior. You know, we see that he's the risen king. We're actually seeing that he's imminent in return to take his rightful place. And he's going to have total dominion over this world. And he is seated on the right hand of the father. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he waits for the time to judge this earth and he will reap vengeance even as much as today is a day of grace. And so let's not forget who Christ is. He's the suffering Savior who rose to take up his throne. And I want to remind you, he is our king and we his subjects. So we must be willing to give him our lives as a tribute to his majesty. Let's pray. And Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. Lord, again, we recognize that all of us here, we sometimes, Lord, are, are not unwitting, but unwilling, Lord, to attribute to you all of the, the praise that you deserve. And Father, there are times where we don't even act like we have a king, like we're our own. And yet, Lord, if we're one of yours, we're bought with a price. And that price, Lord, we saw, we saw vividly here as you endured that, those, that crowning of those thorns. And then, Lord, to only then face the, the cross and the suffering that you endured on that. Father, I, I'm thankful, dear God, for our Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son, who just so willingly laid down his life. I pray that you'd help us to, to honor him and please him in all things. And Lord, again, as we head into this time of examination, pray that you'd allow us to, Lord, just to have this opportunity to reflect on you, remember you, and then, Father, to, to rejoice in, in what you're doing in our lives. And we're thankful for that in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.